Well, it's my honor and privilege to introduce a special guest with us today. Lucas Connell has been a traveling evangelist for the past nine years. Is that right, Lucas? You've been doing it for nine? Eight, eight, nine? Moving into nine. Uh, and so he has a special anointing around uh, deliverance in, in mental uh, illness, specifically mental health. Uh, and he himself was miraculously delivered um, years, years ago from addiction. And so it is our honor and privilege to have Lucas here today. He's going to lead us in, uh, in the word and then some time of ministry in just a little bit. So we're so excited to have you. Welcome. And let's give it up for Lucas as he comes. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thank you. Are you doing well? Good. Happy to be alive. Good. What a great church. I love your uh, lead pastors. They're good friends, Pastor Paul and Pastor Andy. I know they're not here, but can we give them a massive round of applause? What, what they have done in New York is incredible to move families and you know, move your whole family and start from scratch. They're just uh, incredible people. Um, it's so good to be here. I, uh, I you know, I'm glad that you guys are trained a little bit in understanding the Aussie accent. You might be able to understand more than most, okay? And uh, hopefully I don't swear or anything because when I first came, I found out the hard way there's a whole lot of words that we're allowed to say in Australia uh, from the pulpit that you're not allowed to say in America. And so, uh, but I have been here three years. We live in uh, San Diego, uh, suffering for Jesus in San Diego. It's tough. Please pray for us. Um, you know, sometimes it gets down to like 65, hey? and it's like, seriously, so just pray for us. Uh, now, you, now you all hate me, uh, but, uh, you know, I'll always be an Aussie at heart. I can't help that. Uh, I did 40 years in Australia, my wife as well. Uh, we came over with our two boys three years ago, uh, but I've got a confession. I'm actually now legitimately 8% American, Okay, and so the reason for that is because when I came three years ago, I was about 220 pounds, and now I'm about 240. So this part here was actually born in the United States of America, okay, and uh, I actually have lost about six pounds in two weeks. So, you know, I just, every time I tell that joke, I'm like, man, I hope I'm not telling it in like 20 years, but I'm like 50% American, you know, like, uh, because burgers and bacon, anyway, uh, but, uh, you know, God's been so good. And uh, my story, I grew up in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, you say Melbourne, uh, Australia. And my parents divorced when I was about five. Uh, my dad did a whole heap of drugs, uh, sold drugs. We'd go stay with him on a Friday night, have all his friends over doing drugs. My mum also uh, did drugs. Most of my aunties and uncles did drugs. Uh, even some of my grandparents did drugs. You know you're in trouble when granddad smokes bongs, okay? That's just a bad start to life. Uh, I do that joke just to see how naughty the crowd is. And, and you, guys, you guys are fairly up there. And I'm starting to wonder, now I'm starting to understand why you came to the 12 o'clock service. No, I'm just messing with you. Uh, just messing with you. And uh, so I uh, followed in my dad's footsteps and started uh, pot when I was about 13 and binge drinking cigarettes at 15. I was injecting uh, amphetamines, taking acid, ecstasy. At 16, I took an acid trip at a house where they were involved in satanic worship. And I actually overdosed. I ended up unconscious for about three hours. And although I was physically unconscious, my mind was very alert to what was happening and basically saw demons. And I was tormented for about three hours. as the most horrific, traumatic experience of my entire life. Uh, I came out of that and basically I would have been diagnosed uh, as drug-induced psychosis. 
because from uh, 16 to about 19, the television would actually speak to me. The radio would speak to me. There'd be a voice in my head every day telling me that no one loves me, that I should kill myself. And uh, at 19, I got this close to ending my life. Uh, but I had an auntie, one auntie that prayed for me for 17 years that I would encounter the love of Jesus Christ. And, and I want to tell you, seriously, don't ever stop believing for the people that you're praying for, because it doesn't matter how far they look gone, your prayers might be the only reason that they eventually come into the kingdom of God. And, and so I'm so thankful for an auntie that prayed. And, and so, um, and so I... Uh, uh, at 23, I, I, I radically got saved and uh, fully born again in love with God, but still struggled with this 10-year addiction. See, who knows that you can be born again and love Jesus, but still have stuff going on in your life. That's called being a human being. And it's why we need a Savior. His name is Jesus. And, and so uh, I uh, started to, to pray and I heard the, pa- the pastor, so, sorry, the, the pastor, uh, I'm a little bit bilingual now, just un poquito. Uh, so I heard the pastor say that there was nothing God couldn't do, and I went home as a two-week-old Christian. I started to cry out that, God, would you deliver me from this addiction? And, and, and literally the presence of God filled my living room, and God spoke to me, and he said, you'll never, ever need drugs again. You'll never need cigarettes. And literally in a moment, I was radically set free. Uh, you know, I love that what took the devil 23 years of his downward destructive demonic cycle and it just took God one word, one word to say it's done. And, and it's not just uh, cliche. Let me tell you, one word can get rid of anxiety. One word can heal a mind. One word can heal a body. One word can restore a marriage. And, uh, you know, God's just been so good. And, and I want to, uh, you know, I had an experience that I'm going to share at the end that in January this year, and really it was my own uh, personal uh, freedom experience, and, and um, where I actually got free of some stuff this year, this is not a testimony of 20 years ago, this year, as a traveling pastor, I got free of some stuff that uh, I didn't even fully know that I needed to be free of, and I'm going to share that story with you at the very end, and then we're going to pray for people. And so privately, my life radically changed January 26 this year. But publicly, it changed in March, the first weekend of March. I was ministering as I do most weekends, and I was in Chicago. And it was a cool church. And it was the, the first time I ever shared this particular story, it was the first weekend of March. And God fully moved, and I see that happen a lot. People crying, a lady fell down, and, 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 and I see that. But it was actually after the service that I saw something I'd never seen before. And organically, people had gone into the foyer, but one by one, people came to me and they're like, Lucas, I, I really connect with what you talked about, that, you know, oppression, and, 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 and could you pray for me? And I spent a moment and we talked and, and prayed specific thing, and bang, the person says, man, something lifted, I feel free. And then the next person, and the next person, and the next person, and the next person, till I got to this one young lady, and this radically changed my life, I I got to her and I was holding her hand and she starts crying and I said, well, what, what do you need? And this is a bit of a graphic story, so I apologize for that. But she says that when I was age 12, uh, 9 to 13, I was a sex slave amongst the men within my family. She says, at 18, I married a man who I thought was my Prince Charming that was going to rescue me from the nightmare that was my life. But it turned out he too was a pedophile. He raped her most days for five years, had children with her. And, 
And, and so I, I, I pray, and I said, come on, we're going to pray. And I start to pray in the name of Jesus. And I've got a testimony. It goes for 14 minutes on video. I can't share it publicly because it's too graphic. I need to edit it. But she recorded this testimony four weeks after this incident. And what she said is that when I prayed, it was like fire went through her whole body. She actually has no recollection of the next 10 minutes of what took place. It was the, the most of the people had gone, they were just the interns packing down, the pastor's wife was there, and, and as fire went through her body, she dropped to the ground and she began to manifest like I'd never seen before. Like literally like out of control, what you see on a horror movie, and, and just like, you know, manifesting, speaking to me in a man's voice. The pastor's wife's jaw was on the ground. The intern's jaws were on the ground. I was freaking out as well, right? I'm like, man, what if this doesn't work? And, and so, you know, and, and so I'm like, you know, and so I'm praying. And, and for 10 minutes, we're just praying in the name of Jesus that, that speaking the word of God, that this thing would break. Probably that one of the most beautiful experiences of my entire life that I'll take with me as a treasured memory. After 10 minutes, it was like in front of me, her face changed. And she began to cry, and all she could say was, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. She says that when she went, and this is her testimony four weeks later, she went to work the next day, and her uh, you know, non-Christian colleagues were coming up to her saying, what happened to you on the weekend? You, you've done something, you look different, your eyes are different, and she radically got free. You know, since March... I've actually, without exaggerating, I've been traveling full-time. This is my eighth year. But since March, uh, I have seen more freedom miracles since March than I did in the entire seven years of traveling full-time. And I had seen some good stuff. But literally every weekend, I am seeing uh, major anxiety broken off people's lives, depression lifting off people's lives, addictions, pornography, alcoholism, just broken in a moment off people's lives. And uh, one of the cool things, and it was like God set us up, is last year God really spoke to us about the rest of our life, that we would start our ministry and call it uh, A Freedom Experience. Our website is afreedomexperience.com, and, and, the, and I think the guys have got a slide. Uh, the, the big thing of it, what we're doing, and this is where we're seeing incredible miracles, is it's a 21-day online freedom journey where it is so full of God encounter. We have a private Facebook community for people who are doing it. Every morning, just about, I wake up and I'm hearing of people that God turned up in their bedroom where they wept for an hour and just got free of stuff. And one of the key things we do in the 21-day journey is, is we help identify one destructive mindset. And then every day for 21 days, you change permanently that mindset. And like I said, we would have 10 people in the group now that no longer have anxiety. Uh, we're seeing people get free of uh, low self-worth, addictions, and a whole heap of things. I'm actually going to be at the stand, so if you want to talk to me about it, and, and uh, you could sign up as well. But, um, and if you do that today, you get a discount. But I'm just, it has exceeded everything I ever hoped for. Like I felt, I knew it was God, but literally I love the Facebook community because every day I'm just like, no way, man. Like, it's just incredible to see so much freedom. And, and, and so I want to go to the Word today. We're going to pray for people today. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. And it says here, I'm glad I've got my glasses on. <clears throat> but Jesus, it doesn't say, I'm glad I've got my glasses on. Uh, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, just hold it there for a minute, uh, they brought in a woman caught in adultery. You know, whenever it speaks about the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, it's always a religious spirit. 
You know, the, the thing that Jesus spoke against the most harshly was to a religious spirit. To the sinner, he was graceful, and lo- but, but that religious spirit, and the reason, and, and I actually uh, have this almost hatred toward it, because at least a spirit of lust is, 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 it's not pretending to be something it's not. You know, if someone gets involved in that, they know it's the wrong thing, but their flesh, you know, goes to that thing. But a religious spirit is pretending, uh, coming in the appearance of good and God, but it is just as evil as a spirit of lust, if not more so, because it gets in the church. And so Jesus doesn't want you to be religious. He wants you to be in a relationship. And so it says that they brought in a woman caught in adultery. See, religion always wants to expose someone for their sin. But Jesus is always about covering someone in their sin. Now, again, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't want to deal with the sin in our life, but He does it in a loving, graceful, beautiful, private way. Because just like when my children have weakness, I don't want to expose their weakness to the world. I'm doing everything I can to cover their weakness and deal with it privately and personally. The next scripture says, they made her stand before the group and they said, teacher, this woman was caught in the act. I want you to catch this. And again, I don't want to paint a, a bad picture in your, in your mind, but she was caught having sex with someone that wasn't her husband. She wasn't caught in New York City in 2019 in the culture that we live in. She was caught in the Middle East more than 2,000 years ago. She would have been dragged by the hair, naked most probably, dragged down the street, and she knew in this moment, I would appear before the Pharisees, they will pick up large stones and they will throw them at me until I'm dead. She most likely knew some other female that had the exact same thing happen to her. It says they made... uh, And then they say, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. See, a religious spirit, that's why I don't like it, it uses Scripture. The Bible says, but it's the wrong spirit. The Bible says, now what do you say? It says they were using this question as a trap. This whole thing was a setup. This woman was set up. In order to have basis for accusing him, see, the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Here these people are pretending to be men of God, but what are they doing? They're speaking the devil's language. They're speaking accusation. See, the big difference between when God convicts us, it's loving and it builds us up, but when the enemy comes with condemnation, it's always about accusation. And it says, uh, he started to write on the ground, Jesus bent down, he wrote on the ground with his finger, But when they kept questioning, he straightened up and he said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down, he wrote on the ground. I love this part. The next part, it says, at this, those who heard him are gonna go away one at a time. The older ones first, I love this, because the longer you've been alive or the longer you've been a Christian, the more you realize you actually need Jesus. See, I remember being so passionate as a brand new Christian, radically saved. I'm like, man, I've got this, man. This is like, come, what's wrong with those people? And the longer I've actually been a Christian, the more I've actually realized I've got this humanity and it needs Jesus every single day. And so and then this is the part I want to preach about. It says, uh, only until Jesus, sorry, uh, and at those this Those who heard him began to go away one at a time, and it says only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up. This is the the part I want to get. And he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. She said, then neither do I condemn you. 
Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin or go and sin no more. See, religion says, stop sinning or you'll be condemned. Jesus says, you're not condemned. Now go and stop sinning. See, religion is about dealing and exposing the surface. He's got a problem with porn or, 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 or a rage issue or anxiety or, or, or dep- whatever it is. Religion wants to talk about this. But Jesus says, no, 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 let's deal with what's underneath and this will just take care of itself. See, he knew that the reason she was living this lifestyle, and I'm taking a liberty here, but we are at liberty. Uh, so <laughs> I'm taking a liberty This woman was set up. We know that. That's what the Scripture says. So I would imagine, I don't think it's too much of a liberty, so she must have had a reputation. She was most probably promiscuous. And here's where I'll take a liberty. Maybe a lot of people like that, she didn't have a dad to tell her how loved she was. Maybe she was, you know, told, called names at school. Maybe she gave her virginity away to some boy that promised he would stay with her forever. But the moment she gave it, he was gone in a flash and he spread rumors about her. See, what Jesus is doing is he knew that she was believing her whole life that she was condemned. See, when a house is condemned, it means it can no longer be used for the purpose that it was built to be used for. See, when Jesus communicates to this lady with a reputation, he's communicating, honey, I need you to understand that you're not disqualified, that yes, you've got a past, but I'm gonna use you anyway, and you're loved by God, and I'm not holding your behaviour or your sin against you. I love you deeply. And so what Jesus does is he deals with the underneath because then the behaviour will just take care of itself. See, even in the cycle of addiction, when we wonder why do we do those things and, and, and what happens is, is when we, whatever the addiction might be, or the struggle is, is when you go to something you shouldn't, it creates dopamine in your mind, which is the same chemical that's released when you take cocaine. And then what happens when you do something, especially as a Christian, that you know you shouldn't have done and now what comes is guilt, shame, condemnation. So now you feel terrible on the inside. So your brain sends a signal and it says, hey, I know how we can stop feeling like this. If you go and do that thing again, all of this will disappear and you'll get that rush again of dopamine of feel good. But then what we know happens is once the dopamine subsides, now I feel even worse than I did the first time. And there is the cycle of addiction. And so I want to quickly deal with three things that we're going to, and then we're going to pray, is, is three things that... Uh, fuel behaviors that we don't like. The first one is hurts of the past. See, who knows that this female, she had a a situation where when Jesus said, who condemns you? She says, no one. Who knows she had a, a situation where she had to choose to live in the presence. We don't know how many men were there condemning her, but let's just say there was 50. What she could have said to Jesus, oh, you wanna get me started on who's condemned me? What about my dad who left when I was a little girl? What about that boy that, that, that just wanted to use me for sex or my first husband, second husband, and don't get me started on the third husband? And Jesus, don't even get me started on the 50 men that were standing here five minutes ago saying I should be killed. See, who knows that her past could have visited her present and stopped her from getting a miracle. You know, I was praying for this lady. She's a good friend of mine. Her and her husband, they pastor a church in Schenectady. And, and, and so she struggled with fear her whole life. 
and, and, and her daughter was starting to take on the same anxiety because she's watching mum. It manifested the most where she couldn't get on an airplane and fly. She'd have panic attacks on the plane. And so I went there and I spoke on fear and I said, hey, she started telling me about this. I didn't even know. I said, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, we're meeting you, me and your husband and we're going to pray. We're going to deal with it. Sunday night, she has a dream and God reminded her of something that had happened about 30 years ago that she had not spoken about for 20 years. When she was 13 years old, her uncle minded her for the day and he sexually abused her on their, on their farm, on their property. She never told her mum or dad. She told her husband 20 years ago, but never talked about it again. She said, I had this dream. Straight away, we found the source, the past hurt that was fueling the behavior. We were able to minister to that hurt, bring the love of the father, help her to forgive her uncle. Now, before you get upset at me, forgiving her uncle does not say that what he did was right. It is wrong and deserves to be punished. But when you forgive someone that's hurt you, it's not a gift to them. It's a gift to yourself. She gave herself the gift of forgiving her uncle. <clears throat> was able to minister to her. See, every now and again, let's say my wife and I will have what we'll call it, a strong conversation. That's Christian for argument, just in case you're wondering. Okay. And, so, and so she'll say something that triggers me and I'll, and I'll get annoyed and angry. And, and sometimes, if I be honest, uh, it, it can turn into rage on the inside, like real anger. And, and I'm smart enough most of the time to walk away at that moment because I know that anything I say in that moment is definitely not good for my marriage and it's definitely not good for my sex life, okay? And so I am married just in case you're wondering, okay? And so, and so most times I'll walk away and then I'll walk away and once the anger subsides, I'll, I'll start to rationally think about it. I'm like, man, like seriously, like what she said to me, yes, it was annoying, but it was like a two out of 10. Why was my anger an eight? Two doesn't equal eight, Unless, of course, I've still got the two from three months ago and the one from six weeks ago and the three that happened eight days ago, now all of a sudden two does equal eight because I'm bringing my past into the present. You know, the second thing is destructive mindsets that cause wrong behavior. And again, for this lady is when Jesus said, I don't condemn you. He was speaking to a mindset. He knows her better than she knows herself. He knows the way she's been living her whole life. That in here, tell her, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Nobody likes you because you're not worthy. You're disqualified. So he's dealing with the mindset. You know, I remember when I, and, and that's part of the reason why when we did our 21 day experience, because I don't want to just be the encounter guy that someone gets free in a moment. Because if you get free in a moment from something that has controlled you most of your life, you also most likely have a belief system that needs to be changed. And you can get free in a moment, but if you don't do the work of renewing your mind, then I'll see you at the same altar call in six months' time. You'll have some freedom for a while, but this is the thing here that is driving you in life, what you believe. And that's the part that people don't like because that's work. I just want God to do it in it. Come on, just do it, God. He will. But then we have to align our mind with thinking. You know, when I prayed for this particular lady and she was crying, we ministered to her past her. And then I felt God say to me, get her to pray this prayer. I said, repeat after me. She's crying. Oh, no, she wasn't crying at this point. And I said, 
say this. And she, I said, Father, she repeats. And I said, thank you that I can trust you to protect me. She said, thank you that I can. <laughs> thank you. That <laughs> she couldn't say the words. Because I, God showed me her mindset. And, and, and understandably so, when at 13, someone that you should trust robs your innocence, but at that moment, she developed a mindset that says you can't trust God to protect you. How was her fear manifesting the most? Hopping on an airplane. If you don't believe that you can trust God to protect you, I am not hopping in a tin can that flies through the sky. <laughs> you know, uh, of all of these things, because there's two thoughts, whether it's past hurts, anxiety, and then I'm going to get to the next one in a moment. There's two thoughts with, about examining yourself. And, and probably the more common one, probably in the types of churches that we're in, is, is one of don't examine yourself. Just focus on the finished work of Christ. Right? And that's the one that I would lean to more of these two. Okay? The other one is more of a holiness kind of like a bit out of control where it's like, man, you better find every single thing that's in there and wrong. And, so seriously. I'd be depressed if I get up every morning thinking about all the stuff that's wrong with me. But what Paul says when he teaches on communion, while he's teaching on communion, he says to examine yourself while you're holding the bread and the wine, which represent the body and blood of Jesus. I remember God speaking to me. He says, Lucas, the only time you should examine yourself is while you're holding on to the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And that might not just be in the, the, the act of communion, but symbolically, because I can find stuff that's wrong with me, but if I'm holding the blood and the body of Jesus, yeah, there's some stuff, but God, you can get me through it. Last one is this, and then we're going to pray. I might just get the keyboard to come, please, if that's okay. Um, you know, the last one is this, and we don't talk about this a lot. It's oppression, demonic oppression. You know, the church in the 80s was... The church in the 80s went a bit crazy. You know, like where there's a demon under every bush. You know what I'm saying? And if we don't have a keyboard, that's okay. Are we good? Oh, okay, we've got, we've got a backup. I reckon you're better than the other girl anyway. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Was it a guy? Okay. Yeah, so I said, that didn't work at all. Anyway. Now, can you just bring the Holy Spirit back again? No. And so in the 80s, it was like there's a demon under every bush. You know, someone sneezed, he's got a demon. Take him to the back room. But you know, in the, the church today in the world, I'm talking collectively, it's the opposite. It's like demons don't even exist anymore. Or, or we've demonized demons, which is a funny thing to say. Because, oh yeah, yeah, the homeless guy that's yelling profanities and, and, and talking to stuff that's not, he's got a demon. But see, the plan of the enemy in today's age, I promise you, in the Western world, is to hide. That is his plan and agenda. See, think about this, right? America has enemies, countries that hate America. And all of them, America has the power to go there, finish them. They could start a war and they would win. Why don't they? Because even though they would win, they understand that there would be retaliation and consequence, casualties. So what does America do? They send spies to these particular countries. 
Spies that stay hidden, but while they're there, they're, they're manipulating, they're finding out secrets so that we can affect economies and political things. And, and why do they do that? Because if they're hidden, they can pull down without the retaliation. See, the enemy in the Western world, he hides. Because if he hides his other things, then there will be no retaliation. And he understands that every single human being has a power that literally could see him packing in a moment. You know, it's a lot easier to get oppressed than you think. To me, oppression is when the devil has found a legal right to speak. See, think about this. The Scripture says this, that uh, if you go to bed angry and the sun goes down, what does it say? It says that you give the devil a foothold. Well, I've been married 18 years. I'd be lying to you if I said that there wasn't some nights I went to bed angry and the sun went down. So the Bible says that I've now given the devil a foothold. But he doesn't wake me up the next morning and say, well, Lucas, I just want you to know, you went to bed angry last night. You know what the Word says. So because of that, Lucas, I just want you to know that I'm going to be speaking to you quite a bit over the next month or two, mainly about your wife. He doesn't do that. But what does he do? I've now given him a legal right to speak. So now, Jackie gets up the next day and does something that wouldn't normally annoy me, but now it's like, man, is she doing that to annoy me? What did she mean when she said good morning? Did she say that with tone? Same with, I don't have time to do it, but there's a parable that talks about when the man that he gets forgiven an unpayable debt. He never could have paid it back. And the master forgives him. And then he finds someone that was a payable debt. If he gave the man enough time, he could have come back and paid the amount he owed. It's like a few thousand. And he doesn't forgive him. And the master says, you wicked servant, you will go to the jail where the tormentors will have their way with you. See, when you're in unforgiveness, you've given the devil right, a legal right to speak. You know what it's like, that person that hurt you, and now you see him on Instagram, and as soon as you see them, there's like, a hundred thoughts. The more they keep speaking to you, it starts to change who you are as a person. Now it starts to flow out in other areas of your life. See, for this lady, Jesus identified the past hurts he knew. He, he helped her with the mindset, but let's pretend there's 50 men. And what are they doing? Those, those men, are they're yelling, kill her, the Word says, she's no good, look at what she's done. Those 50 or so men that were speaking was actually a picture of demonic oppression that had probably been following her whole life. At that moment, the men were physically there, but she had had the men with her probably for decades, screaming those same kind of things. I'll finish with this story and then we're gonna pray. It was January 26th and I listened to a message about oppression and how easy, we can get oppressed through trauma. We get oppressed by different things that we might look at or see or whatever. And I started to think because I've struggled with condemnation and low self-worth maybe for 20, 30 years. And at its worst, it's like a roller coaster. When things weren't gone, when things were bad, it was like this. It was like loud. Sometimes it was even debilitating. Just the noise. And then even when it wasn't so bad, it was still background. It's always there. And so I listened to this message because I was away preaching. Our church does it once a year where we speak on oppression and we pray for people. 
And I thought, well, I want someone to pray for me. So I rang a friend and, and I said, hey, Lance, would you meet me at church? And he wasn't actually that good of a friend, he, he's, he's a, uh, but he moves in this kind of stuff. I said, will you pray for me? And we met at church on a Saturday, January 26. And I got real. I talked about some real stuff. See, here's the deal. If you won't take off your mask, your face can't get healed. Too many people wear masks to church. I took off my mask and he prayed for me for five minutes. I don't remember one thing he prayed, but I had a vision. And, and, and I've had impressions before and I minister out of them, but it's like a feeling, it's an impression. This wasn't an impression, this was a vision. It was like I watched a movie while my eyes were closed. And I saw this underground kind of tunnel, kind of like almost under the subway kind of thing, representing my inner man. But then there was this tunnel and I saw these doors, barn doors shaped like the tunnel and I heard them and they went, and they closed. And instantly with my eyes closed, I'm like, man, there was darkness behind those doors. And then I felt joy just go, like for 10 seconds, just to burst it, like I got injected with joy. I said to him, I go, man, something happened. He said, I felt like God did something. I went home the next day, January 27th this year. I walk into my bathroom. I'm getting ready to preach at our church in, in San Diego. And my family's already gone to church. I, I'll never forget this. I, I, I walk into the bathroom and as I walk in, I'm stopped in my tracks and I'm overwhelmed by how quiet my house is. Then I realise it's not the quiet of my house. It's the quiet. It's never been this quiet. For me, it was just normal to have that noise in the background. Since I've been sharing this message for about the last three, three months, every time I open the altar call of saying, people, if you feel like there's that noise, and it's normally, see, maybe it's rejection, spirit of rejection. Maybe it's fear. The Bible calls fear a spirit. Do you know what a spirit is? I'm a spirit. One day this body will go. It'll, it'll go into the ground. But the spirit who is Lucas Connell will go to heaven and he has a personality. You can talk to him. So when it calls fear a spirit, it's a person, but not a nice person. And whether it's trauma or or, 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 or an addiction or lust or, 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 or low self-worth or major insecurity that's just always there. Ever since I've been talking about this, I open the altar like what I'm gonna do right now in just a moment. And I promise you, I see 50 to 90% of people, pastors, leaders, because be real. So you know what, there's some noise. I want you to pray for me. I'm gonna ask every person to stand to your feet if that's okay. And I'm going to ask, because we're going to spend now about six minutes or so. And we're going to do some stuff that's going to actually set people free. Like I tell you, out of, after this six, seven minutes, there'll be people that no longer have anxiety. There'll be people that no longer struggle with depression, addictions, self-worth, insecurity. And so what I want to do is, is I want to ask if, the, if that's you. Maybe you just always get offended. Well, maybe there's something behind that. I want to ask if that's you, then just quickly come to the front right now. There's going to be a whole heap of people. Just quickly come. Awesome. Good on you. I always love the first people that come. I really do. Because it always takes a few to go, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go. 
doesn't matter if you're a leader, I'm telling you, what, what you think, leaders get more oppressed than everyone else. Just keep coming. Come on, if that's you. Come on, if you feel there's an area, if you don't, then stay where you are, please. But if you feel like there is an area, that you know what? Man, I just feel like it's a constant thing. That's what we're gonna do, we're gonna pray. All right, people still coming. All right, here's what we're gonna do. You could just, just stay where you are right now. But if you're in the crowd, this will be a great exercise for you to do as well. And maybe you'll get free of some stuff you didn't even know that you need to get free of. There's three key ways how people get oppressed. One is trauma. Because the devil, he's a loser. You know, the Bible says that he comes into your house to steal. When when do criminals come to steal? Like three in the morning. Because you're the most vulnerable. He comes through trauma. He comes through unrepentant sin. And he comes through unforgiveness. I'm gonna quickly deal with them and then I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna see stuff break in this place. So I'm gonna ask everyone to pray this prayer. You just close your eyes, repeat after me, I'll help you. I'm gonna get you to, don't worry, because you're not gonna have to tell anyone or whatever like this between you and God. But I want you to pray this prayer. And again, I'm gonna get you to ask in a moment, is there any unrepentant sin in my life? Now again, you don't have to bring up everything that you've ever done wrong. Because if you've already said sorry, the Bible says God is faithful and just and He's already cleansed you from all unrighteousness. But if there's an area in your life that you are deliberately living in sin, then you need to turn from that or you won't get free. So I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Father, show me any unrepented sin in my life and help me to turn from it. In Jesus' name. Right now, right, whatever he brings up, I'm just going to give you 30 seconds. There it is. Yeah, people starting to cry. It's beautiful. It's a gift of repentance right now. Right now. You don't have to tell God that you'll be perfect. We're not talking about that. And you might even know the thing you're stuck in. You're like, God, I can't do it without you. So I'm not talking about you promise I'll never do it again. No, what you're doing now is saying, God, I'm turning away from it. Like if you're living with your boyfriend and still sleeping together, God, I'm turning away from that because that's not your best for me. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. What He brings up is turn away from it. There it is, beautiful. And I always do when I say sorry and then, and then in your heart say, God, thank you that you forgive me because that's the Bible. Not a hundred Hail Marys, thank you that you forgive me. There it is, grace, beautiful. Here's the second thing. This, this is gonna be tough for some people and, and everyone in the crowd would be a good exercise for you to do as well. We're gonna ask, we're gonna ask God if there's anyone we need to forgive. And for some people, this is going to hurt. But I promise you, the unforgiveness is changing who you are and you don't even know it. So pray this prayer. Say, Father. Come on, everyone pray. Say, Father, show me anyone that I need to forgive and help me to forgive them. Right, whoever He brings up. You know, the, one of the biggest things that I'm seeing people get free of is self-hatred. If you've got self-hatred, you know who you need to forgive? You. Sometimes we're good at saying sorry to God, but then we don't give grace to ourselves. So some of you, you need to in your heart say, God, I forgive me for the mistakes I've made. I forgive me for the deliberate sin. God, I forgive me. Come on right now, whoever that is, just might be your mom, your dad, maybe someone abused you. Maybe there's a relationship that broke up. Maybe someone divorced you doesn't matter who it is, just, just right now, just give it to God. God, I choose to forgive. And then the last one before I really pray for everyone, and we're going to see stuff happen, is I want to just especially pray if you're at the front, if there's been real trauma in your life. 
point. It won't be for everyone, but lift your hand to heaven if you, the trauma. Yeah, I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, there it is. Whatever those memories are, God, I pray for healing right now. There it is. Beautiful. Beautiful. Healing right now. Healing. Restoration. God's restoring you. God's restoring you. God, healing right now for everyone that's had trauma. God, whether it's been loss or abuse or God, whatever it might have been, God. Father, I thank you right now. There it is. God, bring healing firstly. God, every person with their hand raised, I pray that healing would flow into their hearts right now, that they would feel and know the love of the Father. God, that they would feel and know the love of the Father right now, God. Just healing, right? There it is. Healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. God, healing. And there it is. Beautiful. Just receive His love right now. Come on. Let Him heal that wound. Whatever that memory is, whatever that hurt is, whatever that pain is. Come on, exchange it right now for love. Beautiful. And then the last thing we're going to do, you can put your hands down. Here's what I want to do now. I want you to now, especially if you're at the front, just be in receive mode, okay? So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to pray. But I'm not going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to some of the stuff that's been speaking to you. And all I want you to do now is I'm going to do the heavy lifting for you. So I'm going to speak and you just receive. Some of you are going to feel a shift. And you need to understand though, what I'm doing right now, you have the exact same authority to do at home exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm not special. I've got the same Bible as you. So I'm gonna pray right now, get, get ready to receive. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that I stand here right now, not in my own authority, but I stand because of the authority of what You did on the cross. God, I don't even stand here in my own holiness, but I stand in Your righteousness that You have given me. And I thank You, Father, that You have given me power over every oppressive spirit. So right now in this room, I command every oppressive spirit, I command that You go in the Name of Jesus Christ. I speak to the spirit of fear right now, and I command you go in the name of Jesus. I declare no more panic attacks, no more fear in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I speak to the spirit of depression, spirit of heaviness, spirit of suicide, spirit of self-hatred, and I command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I speak to the spirit of lust, God, the spirit of addiction, spirit of alcoholism. God, I break it in the name of Jesus Christ right now, Father. I command that it come off every single person. God, that uh, the spirit of offence. God, I break it now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of rejection right now, Father. I break it in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank You for Your power right now. And I speak freedom over every single person right now. Freedom in the name of Jesus. I command you to be free. I command you to be free in the Name of Jesus. And I speak to every oppressive spirit that has tormented you and I break its power now. I declare this man to be a child of the Most High God. Father, for every person right now, there it is, the power of God. There it is, beautiful, power of God. Power of God. God, power of God, freedom. There it is, freedom. Freedom. Just... If you're at the front and you feel like something shifted, just lift your hand to heaven right now. Now, whole heap of people. Let me pray one more time. If you feel like something hasn't shifted yet, just lift your hands to heaven. Last time I'm gonna pray. 
Father, for every person right now that might be still struggling, I break the spirit of affirmity right now. I break it in the name of Jesus. God, and I release your power right now, Father. And I release freedom. God, I thank you that freedom is a person. Freedom is Jesus. And I release the Holy Spirit right now, God, to fill every person right now. And I release freedom in the name of Jesus. There it is. 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 Something just unlocked for someone. Something just unlocked for someone. There it is. There it is. There it is. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I tell you, you're free. 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 Holy Spirit, even just some stuff that was even handed down to you from generations. God says, no, you're free now. You're free now. You're free now. It's not yours to carry anymore. Holy Ghost. I I see this really clearly for your life, that even there was something that you struggle with that's actually generational. It's just passed down from one generation to the other. But I see you as the first of the generation no longer walking in that particular thing. You're free. Your kids will be free. Kids will be free. Father, bless every person in Jesus' name. Last thing I'll say, and then the guys can come and close, is one of the most important things, if you feel like you got free, the Bible says this, that when the enemy comes, when the enemy gets kicked out, right, like what's happened right now, it says he goes away and he comes back And it says if he finds the house clean, but the proper translation is unoccupied, empty. He brings back seven of his friends. It gets even worse. And so whenever you get a freedom moment like this, your number one job is to stay full. Not perfect, but if if for you the Spirit was fear, the way you stay full, driving your car or in New York City, your Uber. God, thank you that you've not given me a spirit of fear. God, thank you that fear no longer lives in me. If you, got, if you got set free of pornography, God, thank you that I'm free indeed. God, I'm not just free, but I'm free indeed, God. I thank you that I'm no longer a slave under sin, but a slave unto right. Just stay full with the Word of God, especially in the area of whatever you are struggling. Let me pray one more time. I'm gonna be over at the stand if anyone does wanna hear more about the freedom experience and how you could join. But Father, I thank you so much for an incredible church. God, I thank You just for a church that literally is on the move, uh, changing things all over the world. God, we thank You for Your blessing and we thank You for Your people that we would all walk in greater levels of freedom every single day in Jesus' Name. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, bless you, man.